Welcome back to No Idea, the podcast where you have no idea what we're going to talk about and we have no idea how it's going to go. I'm your host, Jenny. I am so grateful to be back making another episode and I have a fan favorite actually with me (laughs) because we've already done a part one together and we're so excited to do a part two, but her name is Sierra. If you recognize that name, here she is. Hi. (laughs) Sierra, I already told everyone, of course, how we became friends in our last episode. And then we also said a fun fact about you, and that was that you get very emotional over the polar bears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you love the environment. You mm-hmm. said that, too. So, you need to say another fun fact, but not that exact same one. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, I've been thinking on this, and I used to tell people, so I'm looking at a ministry job in the future, but I also know that if I don't get to do a ministry job, saving the bees would be a great option number two. <laughs> <laughs> I have no schooling for it. But I know, yeah. What do you even need it. to do? Is it there's a lot of training? I just always imagined myself with a little sign <laughs> to save the bees. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> it's still environmentally connected. So I like how we stayed with the theme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I am so excited to have you on once again. Thank you. We already made another episode. In case you guys have not already listened to that, go ahead, just pause this one. Yeah. And go ahead, listen to three episodes ago. Well, it would be one, two, three. Yes, three from this episode. And it says, Lies of Purity Culture is modest, really hottest. Go ahead, listen to that one first before you listen to this one. Come on back. Come on back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're just going to be continuing that conversation. And Sierra, why did we want to record a part two? Yeah, so we got a really big response. And I mean, you were texting me the night it published of Mm -hmm. like people and their hearts, like and how um, this message had spoken to them. Mm -hmm. And I honestly feel like it's an ongoing conversation. And so, yeah, we wanted to meet back up and talk Mm -hmm. more about it. Yeah. I'm also going to read a message that I received from a listener who sent us just a little thank you and kind of a testimony from our last episode. And this listener wrote, Hey Jenny, I just listened to your recent podcast episode. I loved it and what you guys really said made me feel seen and validated. I've always hated purity culture in the church. It's extremely damaging. It's always been something I've felt extremely passionate about. But I haven't met many other people who have shared that same view as me, so I've felt alone in my stance on purity. Anyway, I just wanted to thank you for talking about that on your podcast because it's a very swept under the rug problem. Thank you so much for sending that in, dear listener. So that's kind of the reason we wanted to record a part two, is that there is a lot more to talk about. And we will be staying under, well, around the category of modesty, but more specifically this time about our bodies and talking about reclaiming our bodies and what the world has, well, what purity culture has said is bad and should be shamed and what God actually says about it, and how it's good, and how he created our bodies. So we're just going to briefly repeat the definition of purity culture that we gave the last time. Go ahead, Sierra. Yeah. Purity culture is when the church is not doing a great job of creating a safe place to talk about things like modesty, purity, or sexuality. Um, It also idolizes um, sexual sin in particular and purity without ever talking about it. And in in the midst of all of it, that God is super separate from where we are um, in the midst of figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is just not true. Yeah. <laughs> Simply not true. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's the definition that we're giving it, why would we say that it's harmful, you ask? Well, many, many reasons. Go ahead, start us off, Sierra. Yeah. Well, it views it as a problem to be controlled, and then it also wraps into so much of our identity that it's matched with sexuality without ever talking about it. So you're just right. super confused. Mm-hmm. So it's either put on the back burner and everyone refuses to talk about it, or on the other side, it's like, you are your sexuality. And that's saying that, yes, that is part of us, but that's not all of us. Yeah. That's not our whole identity. So it also reduces women to sexual objects created for the pleasure of men. Mm. But that is just not true. I also know something that does that. It's called pornography. So pornography can be a part of that. Also just Christian pastors going up on stage, maybe saying comments about their wife's body in a way like, here's my smoking hot wife. Why don't you stand up? Give her a clap. There was a lot more to that woman than just her body. (laughs) And you just announced to everyone, go ahead, look at her body, please. Mm. So we've been listening to the Mars Hill podcast. Um, It is so interesting. So that's a resource that you guys can go and, and listen to if you want to learn more. There are specific episodes that address purity culture and the faults of it. And then the rest of the podcast is kind of telling the story of how the Mars Hill church pastored by Mark Driscoll ultimately led to ruin. And there were a lot of problems within the church, but it's kind of the story of how they got there. So that's what we've been listening to as preparation for just learning more and this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the main lie that we're addressing is related to modesty and saying that our bodies are bad. And that's a main message that comes through in purity culture is saying like, well, you are inside of your body, you know, cause we are not our bodies, but our mind is inside. Anyway, mm-hmm. our body is encasing us. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's saying that, well, our body is bad because that is where sin flows from. It can say that, well, you know, you look at pornography with your eyes, you masturbate, you're using that, you can have premarital sex with your body, you can have extramarital sex with your body, and it's saying like, well, your body is the problem, and blaming it all on that and saying, my body is bad, so some of the solutions for that might be, well, just cover up. I mean, if you don't show any of your body, it won't be a problem. But I also know a religion that says that, it's called Islam. So we can assume that that is not the solution that Christianity should should resolve to. Yeah. So another um, piece of this just cover up, it's a blanket solution. And we've also seen this in purity culture represented as, oh, just don't date. So um, there's, an, there's a very famous book um, called uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um, written, the, written by Joshua Harris. Yeah, sweet. Mm-hmm. That's who it's by. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Don't I worry. always forget his name. But... This poor fella, he wrote this book when he was 18, Mm -hmm. and then it got super popular because it was just this, like, at the time, revolutionary response to, like, dating. Mm -hmm. But he has since realized the harm that this book has caused and regrets, like, writing it and being a part of it. But a big issue with this book... There are many, and he he's addressed them, so it's okay saying this, mm-hmm. but is it gives a blanket solution that actually has no, like, 
practical application in your life. So if I'm saying, oh, I'm just going to cover up, but I'm not dealing with my heart and the person who like might be looking at me lustfully isn't dealing with their heart. It's Mm -hmm. still like that issue of I'm taking on their stuff and none of us are dealing with what actually matters, which is where our heart's at. Or if you're just going to say, I'm not going to date, um, how are you going to move forward in a relationship? Like you have to have your parents step in and then it's this unhealthy balance of like, my parents are really in my marriage that I didn't even want or pursue to begin with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we really can't just put blanket. This is how it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it just causes issues. And saying something like, well, just cover up so that men don't look at you lustfully. First of all, that's only putting lust on men and that's just not true because anyone can struggle with it. But saying things like, well, just don't date or just cover up. They will not solve any issues because it is literally only dealing with your outward. Mm -hmm. It's not dealing with your heart at all. And it is an easier option in a way because it takes all the messiness out of it it's like as long as you follow these rules there will not be issues and if you comply with these rules of fingertip length shorts or i don't know no turtlenecks only i'm just yeah. kidding <laughs> just any rules you want to throw in there no spaghetti straps etc cetera, etc cetera. it's saying like well now we took care of it because you know everyone's covered up now but the thing is that lust can still exist when everyone around you is very decently, modestly dressed. Mm-hmm. Lust can always happen because it's a heart issue. Um, a couple yeah. of years ago, I was doing a report in school and I had to go visit a Muslim mosque. And we were just there for their time of prayer. And the instant way that they avoided lust happening or looking lustfully at someone else happening is that in the time of prayer when they would bend over and bow, the women were always in the back. They were like, well, you know, to fix the problem, just put the women in the back, the men go in the front. That way no man is looking for another woman's butt. And it was just so sad to me because I was like, there can still be so many issues, so many problems. You're just doing this physical movement to prevent it, but that's not dealing with any root issues. So it is an easier thing to do and like, well, just take these action steps and that will not happen. But the problem will reoccur. There is absolutely no guarantee that there will not be problems, possibly even worse problems because the heart issues are persisting and not being dealt with. Yeah. So if we're saying, Sierra, you track it with me, that (laughs) lust is the main issue, that Jesus speaks out about lust and that is the problem we should deal with. Then what if someone listening is really struggling with lust? What should they do to get rid of that? We're going to start at Ephesians 1, 2 through 4. Oh, with the Bible. Great place to start. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) So, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be whole that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. And so even way before we were created and the Lord knew we were in existence, he chose us in him to be holy and blameless. And so at the end of all of this, we have a hope that we will get to stand holy and blameless in his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were even talking before we started recording about a 
life coach that we know who Mm -hmm. said that he would read this over young men who would come to him and be like, I'm struggling with lust or pornography or anything related to that. And he would have them read that, that verse, those verses out loud repeatedly. And sometimes he would say that they would just start weeping because of the realization that it's God's blood that was shed and covers you with his righteousness that you are holy. And this feeling of being disgusting, of being shameful, being dirty can leave because you know that your identity in Christ, he calls you holy and seen. Yeah. Yeah. I would also say that it's so wise to get older, wiser, intentional accountability. So this can be, you know, people your age or friends, but I would say that you should probably go older and just people who have lived life with the Lord a little bit longer than you who have probably struggled with that same thing or something related to it and getting that accountability will really help you, you know, not be just accountable to yourself. Like you could say, well, I'm accountable to God. He knows, he knows what's in my heart. He knows what I'm doing. But if you want growth and you want true accountability, it's going to help you and push you to grow because you're not just on your own trying to figure it out. You can bring someone older and wiser into it. And then of course that accountability will probably push you to have wise boundaries. So if you're say sinning in some way, acting out on lust, even just in the way of thinking lustful thoughts, you're like, I want to stop it there. Then when do those thoughts start to creep into your mind? Is it when you watch something specific or is it when you're just up late and you get bored or you, those start to creep in then just recognize the timing and recognize the circumstances that those thoughts start to pop up. And then that's where you can start to set boundaries of like, well, if those boundaries are crossed, then I know that it will probably lead to something sinful. So I'm going to set my boundaries way before that. And that's not to get legalistic about it. People just be wise. Yeah. (laughs) So how can we start to change this? We've talked a lot about the problem that purity culture is in churches. And of course it's not every church. Of course it's not every church body, but we know that we can do better and mm-hmm. we want to change it. And we know that our generation is just looking for what's true. Yeah. We've, what did you say, Sierra? You were like, we've gone from one extreme to the other. Yeah. So like generationally, like with our grandparents and parents, like we're kind of on the opposite end of mm-hmm. like, we're now testing like how far can we go of Mm -hmm. like with modesty and those sorts of things and as you know like we've talked about this we like we care about the heart we don't care about (laughs) what we're wearing Uh but that we it's just like a trend that we can see that's out in front of us and so yeah just understanding what we're up against a little bit Mm -hmm. it's one way Mm -hmm. yeah and to add on to that um like, when we're figuring out modesty, purity culture, my body, reclaiming it, um, some questions to ask are, like, well, we want to first bring it to the Lord and say, is there anything that he's speaking about this? Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything in my heart that, like, needs to be checked? Is there a certain reason I'm wearing this or that? Being in that process with him. Also, what are things that I'm comfortable wearing? And what are things that maybe, like, somebody else just encouraged me not to wear? Mm -hmm. And, like, maybe I don't have to, like, completely take that on. Right. Um, So just, yeah, evaluating where our heart's at, trusting that the Lord will meet us in that process. Mm -hmm. And then 
yeah yeah figuring it out that way yeah and how we can start to change this is just do not shy away from open and honest conversation because I mean even I just remember in youth ministry whenever some pastor leader small group leader whatever they would start to talk about something that I'm like, no one talks about that. Then I was literally glued to whatever they were saying because Mm -hmm. it was, it felt rare. And I was like, am I allowed to talk about that? Whatever topic it was, but just being open and honest will not only you automatically have everyone's attention for sure, but people are drawn to authenticity. So people can detect when you are beating around the bush, when you are, saying everything but the actual thing we're talking about when you're avoiding something when you're putting something very lightly but not actually stating what it is Mm -hmm. people can recognize it so easily and so just being open and honest will create the kind of conversations that actually produce change and then we also just want to stress that your body is a gift from god yeah and he created you like he could have made us as humans look like anything Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you could literally, you know, we could just be souls walking around without a body, but he chose to encase us in individual bodies that look different for every single person. And yeah. we can recognize that that is good because he created bodies before the fall. It wasn't like after Adam and Eve sinned and the world was was now sinful and imperfect. It wasn't like he was then okay, now I have to put a body on them. Now I have to create their bodies to look like this. He did that when the world was perfect. Mm -hmm. So we can take from that that he says our bodies are very good and created us this way on purpose. It is not your body. That's the problem. And it's just like anything in life. We could even take the example of social media. We can say, well, social media is terrible. I mean, the worst things go on through that. People are so mean to each other and you can become addicted to it, all this stuff. So you could take that and be like, well, just don't go on social media ever. But there is a flip side. Social media is not the enemy. You can steward it however you want. Mm -hmm. You could use it for God's glory. You could steward it in a very healthy way that you enjoy and you don't become addicted to it. And it's the same thing with pretty much most things in life. It's that your body is a gift from God and it's up to you how you steward it. It's not that your body's the problem. Yeah. And we also just wanted to take some time, um, like one of the biggest like responses we got from the podcast was like people voicing harmful things that had been spoken over them. And so if that were was you or you know that you've had like harmful purity culture ideas spoken over you, we just want to remind you that you have the ability to test every word that is spoken over you. So if there's something that you're like was spoken over you recently or from years ago and it's still like in your heart, um, remember that you can bring that back to the Lord and say, is this actually what you were speaking over to me? Mm-hmm. And I feel like with purity culture, nine times out of 10, it is not his heart <laughs> to tell us we are chewed up gum. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I just want to affirm that of like the Lord values you. There's so much beauty in who you are and how he created you. And he sees so much like goodness, like in your body and who you are. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we just really want to affirm that yeah. you were so loved. <laughs> Yeah. And there's just so much power in our words. In Proverbs, um, King Solomon wrote how the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who live by it will eat its fruit. So whatever you're using your 
your mouth to speak, like your words have a lot of power. So if words of of insecurity, of shame, shame have been spoken over you, obviously test that because it's probably not from the Lord. But then you also have the ability to speak truth over yourself that yeah. will really set you free. So if you're saying something about one part of your body that you're like, I just don't like that part of my body. I just have felt so much shame about it for so many years or whatever. You can stand in the mirror and be like, I bless my body in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord, that you call my body good, that I am not a problem, that you created me like this and I am beautifully and wonderfully made. And just start to pick verses out of the Bible that affirm who you are, that, um, speak truth over how he created you and you will start to notice a change in how you think because you are purposely aligning yourself with God's truth. No word spoken over you is permanent. Yeah. And the only words that will truly stick and truly take you through no matter what anyone says to you are the words of God. So, yeah. Yeah. We also just want to leave you with some resources. One, if you want to learn more about this topic or dive more into what you truly think about modesty and why you believe that. Obviously, the Mars Hill podcast, that has a lot of information about a lot of different topics, but all stemming from unhealthy hearts. So that's a really interesting podcast if you want to listen to that. Another podcast by Kat Harris that we already mentioned in our last episode was the Refined Collective podcast. And then also Kat Harris wrote a book called Sexless in the City that has a lot of information. It's just a lot about her own personal journey through this. If you also want to hear more about the harms of purity culture from the man himself um, in the Mars Hill podcast episode eight, he kind of talks about how since writing that book, he has regretted it. Mm-hmm. And so some of, he talk, addresses some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. See you Thank you for doing oh part two with me. You're so welcome. Because I don't know how long this conversation will go on for. Probably a long time. Yeah. But our goal is to help you guys have conversations that are open and honest and not be afraid of those things so that you can walk in freedom. But yeah. thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We know that a lot of you responded to the last one. So we hope you enjoyed this one just as much and continue to apply it to your life in some way. Yeah. So just remember you're so loved. Yeah. You are so loved. <laughs> so loved. Uh, remember to rate us and give us a review on what you thought about. We'd love to hear it. So this is Sierra and Jenny signing off from No Idea Podcast. See you around. Bye. Bye.